I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of domestic and sexual abuse services. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. One quick note for listeners. When we recorded this interview, uh, did not realize there was a bit of an audio issue, but uh, we've worked to correct it as much as possible. But you will hear a buzzing, crackling sound from our guest, and it's an unfortunate side effect of technology. But we do hope that you can still listen to Carol's story because it is a very powerful one. So, uh, again, just want to acknowledge the audio issue and thank you for listening. And welcome back to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. I am your host this episode. My name is Dan, and I'm joined today by uh, an author, an editor, a, a, a doctor of nurse practicing. So many labels, Carol. Her name is Carol White, Dr. Carol White. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And when I heard from you uh, about this idea that you, you have these books that you've brought to the world. You're not the writer. Someone else is. Tell me a little bit about this, what this looks like. What, what What's going on? So um, my mother was a writer um, and she wrote in high school and she had a teacher who really encouraged her writing and uh, short stories and she would do things for extra credit and write poetry. And then she met my dad. <laughs> And she was valedictorian of her senior class. She met my dad and um, decided that getting married was in her future. She couldn't afford to go to college, so uh, she married him, became uh, a wife, and then my brother was born and about a year and a half later. Uh, he ended up uh, with, a, uh, with a virus that caused him to become quadriplegic. So she really um, became trapped in her home. This is the early 60s, long before home health care. Uh, she became very isolated, very depressed. My father started drinking a lot at the time and started becoming abusive towards her. And then about eight years later, I was born, and the abuse just continued to escalate. Uh, Mom would write poetry, you know, here and there, but she really didn't have a lot of time to devote to that. And my brother died in 1978, and um, she went through a huge grieving process. And then finally, she came to just the resolution that, okay, I need to dig myself out of this. I still am a mother to Carol, and I need to just focus on that. 
And then she started digging out her writing and focusing on her writing again. And I remember as young as age 10, she would read me different things and, you know, what do you think? And I was always her sounding board. And then finally she started entering some small poetry contests. And my dad used to make fun of her and my grandmother used to make fun of her. And she just still plowed on and just said, I'm going to try to do this. And, you know, they're like five, ten dollar contests. I mean, she really couldn't afford to do much. Um, but I remember the first time that she had something published and my dad just looked on in awe like this can't be happening she can't be getting recognition for this you know because he had just beat her down so much but she just kept uh, writing about what she knew uh, writing about uh, her feelings and I always thought that you know her poetry really saved her life and throughout the years she would just write more and more and more um, and um, you know growing up in that abusive environment my mom actually ended up shooting my dad in self-defense after he shot at her and um, wow. it was, yeah, yeah, uh, it was, we spent probably about, a, you know, six months in a women's shelter. My mom was the first person in her county to actually file charges against her husband and actually follow through with those. Uh, my first time in the courtroom was testifying against my dad because I had to crawl across 10 acres a week to get away from him during that evening. So, you know, that's just wow. the culmination of some of the abuse we went through. But mom wrote about all of that. You know, she wrote about all of her feelings, but she also wrote about happy poetry, even in the times that she was really um, under so much stress and just felt like, you know, she was hanging by a thread. She still was able to find the joy in things. So um, after she passed away in 2005, you know, she kept writing. After she passed away in 2005, I went ahead and collected all of her writing and I just put it on a shelf. And I was raising my family. Um, my children were, oh gosh, seven and 10 at the time. And after I finished raising my family, those books just started, uh, poetry and short stories started calling me. It's like, Carol, you need to do something with these. So I got them out and hardly anything was actually saved in electronic format. So I had to type it. Some of it was all handwritten. And um, so I just started culminating all of it. So there was a total of 475 poems altogether, and wow. a novel, and um, let's see, three books of short stories that I've put together. So I just decided to get a hold of like an editing group and, and kind of joined, joined a couple of writers clubs and found people that would actually help me because I do nothing about writing. And so I've just gradually put some small poetry books together. So Stoic Resilience, the first book that I released about a month ago, was about her suffering and abuse. And then I released uh, one of her books of short stories, uh, Man's Best Friend Versus the Wilderness, and then the only novel she ever wrote, which was Tennessee Mountain Man. So those three are all, all available online and on Audible. And then I'm just gradually releasing a few more subject-based poetry books over the next year. During that process, I had gained a lot of healing too because I learned different things about my mother that I never knew. Um, you know, some things that I was surprised about, and uh, but a lot of things that I was just really proud of. Uh, just her resilience and how she was able to overcome so many things in her life. And I actually wrote the biography. I wrote a book based on her life. And uh, that'll be coming out towards the end of the year. I'm waiting on the Audible format to come out. So, nice. Um, well, congratulations. 
It's been a wonderful journey. I have been loving watching like Tennessee Mountain Man today got uh, to number three in one of the categories and it has been such a blessing and so much fun to watch her dream come true and just to see her, you know, actually be able to, you know, have, um, have some recognition even after her death with uh, her writing. Yeah. And I have to imagine as a creative person myself, I know that writing can be therapeutic in a way it's not therapy but it's therapeutic it can be very um, good to get that out what is it like for you is there healing in this for you as well going through abuse yourself and watching your mom be abused most definitely because as i was but as I was kind of finding some of the uh, poems that I never knew existed, I mean, there were like poems on little steno sheets of paper that, you know, were just like tucked in different areas that I had to actually, uh, you know, finish or uh, figure out, you know, how to incorporate them in other poems. But then also when I started writing her story and going back through and talking to a few people that were still alive that knew different facts that I wasn't sure of, of, um, when I got court transcripts that I, you know, wasn't sure if I could, you know, get certain facts. Some facts I thought were accurate weren't. There was another story that I wasn't aware of, but it really helped me. I cried a lot of tears and I found a lot of things that I had just totally buried in my subconscious. So, um, over about a year and a half of writing, um, the book that I wrote, Bullheaded Inner Strength, which is going to come out uh, at the end of the year, I probably saved so much money on therapy <laughs> I didn't need uh, because I worked through so much. I just can't even uh, describe that process. I've never really been a person to journal um, until I started writing um, mom's biography. And I never dreamed how therapeutic it could actually be. Yeah. Man, incredible. I, I can only imagine what it's like. I mean, writing can be such an, an intimate form of communication. It sounds like maybe you and your mom were very close to begin with, but going through her writing, what was that like for you as her daughter, knowing some of the stories, but not everything, as you just said, what was it like going through her writing so intimately like that? It was, I felt even closer to her. Mom and I were close and we had to be, we had to depend on each other, you know, so if dad would tell me something or, you know, I had to tell her and it was not really the typical mother-daughter relationship. We had to rely on each other because our lives depended on it. Uh, he was a very violent alcoholic and even when he wasn't drinking, he was violent. So, you know, we really never knew what was going to, what was going to happen and we were very isolated and um, I can't even really describe, you know, the emotions that, you know, I felt looking at some of this poetry and just realizing, I knew she was strong, but she kept a lot of her emotion to herself. And I realized after, um, after reading some of these poems, just how much she protected me uh, from some of the, you know, abuse that um, she was experiencing herself. When we talk to survivors on 
I'm not in an abusive relationship. We we sometimes get into their survivor stories. Are these poems, you know, when you say you didn't even realize some of this stuff happened, are these poems, especially in um, Stoic Resilience, her survivor story, are there details in there that even you were shocked to read? Um, not really. I knew most of those. Um, but uh, there were a lot of things that she dealt with with my brother, uh, with my dad, you know, things that happened before I was born that, you know, I really wasn't aware of, uh, you know, how my dad was not, you know, helping her, how she had to, um, basically in the early 60s, you know, women didn't have as many rights. So she always had to say, my husband and I, my husband and I, but it was always her because, you know, he really did not help. He didn't want to have a handicapped child. So he just pretty much just himself mm, man um so so then you turn around and you you write a book her her biography um so are you gonna shed all the nursing and become a writer now is that something what does that look like for you <laughs> in retirement i would love to do nothing else but write <laughs> but uh yeah right now i'm just uh doing that as a part of you know my extracurricular time um but it feels like I, I don't know, it's part of like self-actualization, just something that I really felt that God led me to do, um, to, um, it was just something unfinished and I wanted to leave that legacy for my children as well. I have two boys who uh, adored their Mimi as uh, they called her and uh, she just loved being a grandmother as well and I just didn't want to lose all of that for the future and uh, it's been interesting um, listening to people that have read Stoic Resilience and told me oh I just feel like I was right there I feel that you know she was talking to me I totally understand you know what she went through so um you know if her words can you know be powerful and add meaning to somebody else's life that has went through abuse or you know can help somebody understand those that are going through abuse i i really think that um i've done something hopefully helpful to others yeah absolutely is that is that one of the goals here is to bring that help to others Yes, it is. Uh, actually, uh, donating part of the proceeds to some local organizations that uh, do help uh, with abuse survivors and uh, are working with uh, children and uh, women who are abused. Gotcha. Um, and how, like, so as you're hearing that feedback from readers already, you know, it's only been out a month or so, um, are there folks reaching out to you saying, this is helping me recognize and process and think through my grief, my abuse. Are you hearing that already? Uh, yeah, I have. I've heard that from people to say that, you know, I, you know, somebody really understands what I'm saying. You know, they understand, mm. you know, what it's like. I'm not alone. And I think that's what, you know, people need to hear because when you are suffering for abuse, you do feel very alone because unfortunately the abuse, the abuser often isolates uh, the person oh, yeah. being abused. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's such a, a red flag for so many people is that that early on, that isolation, you know, taking them away. Um, keeping that in mind, that isolation and knowing that in the 60s, your mom had fewer rights. It was always my husband and me. Um, how did she come out of all of that? I mean, did, did your parents 
separate? Did they divorce? Did, was she able to build a life on her own? Yeah. So um, back in uh, 1980, she started. She she went and saw an attorney, and you know, of course, he didn't know about it, just to figure out how she could get out. Um, you know, neither of them were were working. Dad was an iron worker, but he pretty much drank so much that nobody wanted to hire him. And um, you know, she was laid off from factory work. And, you know, they kind of lived on unemployment and that was pretty much it. And so she was trying to get out, but she just didn't think that she could support me. So she stayed in that relationship because she was scared that she couldn't do it on her own. Um, yeah. My my dad's uh, father had given us a broken down farm. I mean, it was like 30 acres and the house barely had running water, but, you know, we lived in it. And so, you know, mom just didn't think that she could, she could make it. So she stayed and stayed and stayed. And then finally, back in 1983, he uh, decided to, um, you know, he beat, he beat her up really bad after I went to school. And then um, he called the police and said that, you know, she was insane and somebody needed to track her down because she tricked him and drove away. And the cops came and he shot at the cops and he ended up getting thrown in jail. So when he was in jail, that was a perfect time for mom to serve the divorce papers on him because he couldn't retaliate. So, um, and three months later, he came after her with a gun, uh, premeditated murder. But it was 1983 and a jury only uh, convicted him of battery with a deadly weapon. So to tell you how bad the family was, my grandmother grandmother actually brought him extra bullets because he called her and asked her to. Wow. Yeah. So that's how messed up, um, you know, that side of the family is. And I, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful that mom had the last, last five years of her life, uh, dad had died. Uh, he pretty much drank himself to death and, um, he ended up finally leaving her alone after a while. And then, um, she, she slept with a 357 under her pillow until the day he died. Wow. Because she was wow, this... Yeah. I mean, resilience, like in the title of your book, Stoic Resilience, just the resilience of it, that that amazing strength that you wish no one had to have, but you're so grateful she has it. And I would say. Mom, was, mom was always that person who told me, she said, I never want you to end up like me. So she pushed me in school. She would quiz me for my tests. She would help me in proofreading and, you know, my papers and just make sure that I made it. Um, You know, I went to school on Pell Grants and scholarships that she helped me apply for. And Mm. she was just going to make sure that it was kind of like teamwork, getting me through school and getting me out of poverty because she was determined that I would never have to go through that. And this is also kind of my way of paying her back. Yeah. 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 Wow, so many thoughts. Can you ever pay her back? Like the again, the strength. There's so much. Yeah. What what is there a a poem in Stoic Resilience that really speaks to you deeply? I don't know if I, you can call it a favorite necessarily. Maybe there's so many favorites, but is there one in particular that that really speaks to you that uh, that everyone should make sure that they find? <laughs> Mm, gosh, you know, I wish I would have I like grabbed that right before we uh, right before we talked. So let me. Well, I, I edit this so we can pause and you can say, "Yeah, it's right here, Dan." <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> totally fine. That yeah. would be wonderful. 
This is not I'm live. Thinking, thinking, oh crap. Um, the um, I know that there's there's. Let's see. Uh, you can take your time. Don't feel hurried. We we've got plenty. Yeah. Of time. No. 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 You're fine. You're fine. One poem that she wrote for me. Um, if I can find it. Um, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it to you real quick for you to go back on the air. Um, the abuser, cruel words he shoots out of his lips are to keep you in your place. And they are just as bad as if he had slapped you in the face. It starts with him being so sweet in order to gain your trust. Then over time he puts you down and he treats you so unjust. Soon everything you try to do earns you biting words or a frown. You stop fighting, you don't question, you shut up at your misuse. You think no one else will want you and fall deeper into abuse. You're paralyzed with self-doubt, you are weary, you grow meek. You cannot rescue yourself, you're too insecure and weak. You can't see the forest for the trees while you have lost good years. Stuck in a bad relationship that only brings you tears. Rise up, get a little gumption, get out sister while you can. Abuse is wrong and it is ugly. Get far away from that cruel man. Wow. That is one that people told me that they really, that they really adored. And then the other one, um, the other poem that spoke to me, and this one, this one really made me cry. And this was the one poem that made me, um, if I can find it here. Um, I can, uh, trying to find the forward and the front pages. Let's see. Interior. Yeah. So there's one poem and I don't know if you want me to share this one or not. But this is yeah. a, this is a, my legacy. This one was written on some scrap, like steno paper, and I found it in a binder. And it's called My Legacy. And sometimes I can't read it without crying. So hopefully I can get through this. <laughs> As I sit and gaze about me, there is little I can find with great monetary value that I can leave behind. Fame and fortune were dreams as elusive as could be. Life did not give gold or silver or bestow riches on me. Lady Luck was not benevolent. And on me, she did not smile. Yet God gave me something special that has made my life worthwhile. You have been my greatest treasure. You have spurred me to go on. You have been my ray of sunshine when life was dark and hope was gone. Many, many years now, you and I have walked together. Hand in hand, we faced life problems and experienced stormy weather. I want to leave you something special so you can remember me. But as I gaze about me, there is little I can see. There is only one thing that I can leave behind. I'll leave to you, my daughter, bits and pieces of my mind. Wow. So much insight into what she was going through, what she was battling. I can imagine readers seeing themselves in her words and wanting that for themselves. And so I'm so glad you're bringing this to the world for her. Thank you. What is your biggest hope in bringing these books all to fruition? 
that they can see that someone can persevere through their problems. That was something that my mom taught me is that you can overcome. You can, um, I want them to see that there is hope. Even when the situation seems hopeless. Oh, Carol, such, such so good. I'm so glad we connected on this. Um, where can people find these? You mentioned Audible. You mentioned they're kind of out there. Is there a best place to find all of these books for you? Yes, yes. Um, so look up Barbara Nelson Blinn and uh, Amazon.com. So I've got an author's page for her on Amazon. I'm putting all the books up on Amazon. And then if you want to know more about her story and her, I've created a website. It's white-publishing.com. And we'll have that in the show notes, white-publishing.com. Um, easy to find her on Amazon. Uh, anything that I didn't ask about your mom or her story that you want to make sure listeners hear before we say goodbye? I don't think so. I think that I just want to uh, share her words, and hopefully they bring hope and um, somehow joy, uh, even um, in the midst of sorrow and bad circumstances to someone. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so tough to say that good can come from something like this because I never want someone to think that they're going through abuse for a reason. And also I want to like, like good can come from it. You know, you know, I, I do not now many years later, I mean, I'm 52 years old, but many years later, I see why I went through what I went through because it prepared me for other trials in life. So there's always a purpose. There's always a reason. Um, sometimes we just don't know what it is the time we're going through it. Wise words. Carol White, the editor of Barbara's Poetry Books and writer of her own book. Thank you so much, Carol, for being a part of I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan. The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services.